Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to... We're gonna be in Genesis 9 and Genesis 11. We are in the fourth part of a four-part series in the, uh, on the, called In the Beginning. And we have, you know, at the first of the years, we, uh, first of 2023, we started a Bible uh, a sermon series and Bible study on end times. And then I got to thinking, well, you know, we, we learned about what's going to happen. Maybe we need to take a step back and look, look at what did happen and see how that applies all the way even into in times. So uh, today we are going to be finishing this up because we're going to get to about the time of Abraham. Okay. Abraham was uh, the uh, father of the Israelite people, God's chosen people. Um, up until now, uh, God has been kind of dealing with uh, human beings on a global scale. In other words, everybody was God's. But uh, before I begin, um, I want to uh, wish my wife a happy birthday. Tomorrow is her birthday. So happy birthday, Cammie. And, and, and speaking of Cammie, something unusual happened the other night. Um, I, 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 never, I never went to bed with something to drink, okay? That wasn't a part of my growing up for whatever reason, but Cammie has to have, you know, uh, juice, tea, milk, coffee. I mean, she, she just takes everything to bed, right? She, so I've kind of got used to that. And um, I, I don't drink, obviously, coffee or anything, but she makes this deal propel. And it's just kind of a little packet that you put in there. And so anyway, the other night I'm sitting there, I'm studying and, and Cammie walks in and she goes, she's so sweet to me. She goes, honey, do you need anything before I get into bed? And I went, hmm. Now, she had just come in and shut the door, right? And she, go, she looks at me. She stops. I'm laying in bed. And she goes, do you want anything before I get into bed? And I think, oh, I don't have anything, right? So I look at my nightstand. I'm like, yeah, I'd take some Propel. Now, as I look at the nightstand and I go to respond to her, she's taking her robe off and she's getting into bed. As I say, yeah, I could use some propel, and she's getting into bed. Guys, you know that I'm starting to freak out right now. Be, because, like, how are you supposed to say, did you not hear me? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be bad, right? And so I was like, um... I'm having this conflict because she's just getting into bed. And I said, I wanted some propel. And like, and I was like, uh, uh, and she's just like snuggling in. <laughs> and I said, I don't even know what to say. Right. So I said, okay, I don't know what to say, but like, are you going to get it? And she goes, I'm real comfortable. <laughs> and I said, 
you haven't been real comfortable for very long. <laughs> and she goes, mm. <laughs> And I said, honey, she goes, you go get it. I said, honey, I did, I, I did not want to have to say this, okay? I never dreamed marrying you over a year ago that these words would come out of my mouth and they break my heart. And she goes, she never opens her eyes. She goes, mm-hmm. And I said, I was here first. <laughs> More on that later. More on that later. <laughs> we are now, and I know as crazy as this is going to sound, um, we, we did talk a little bit about the flood at the end of last week where we talked about the wickedness of men and the reason that God had to destroy the earth. Now, I did not I am not going to go into a verse-by-verse -verse study of, of the whole flood account. Let me give you the cowboy version, okay? It rains a lot, destroys everybody but eight people and a bunch of animals that are on a big boat, okay? But now, I know that's very cowboy version, um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the cowboy's like, okay, so we can go now? <laughs> uh but where I want to pick up today is the time frame between Noah and the floodwaters receding when the earth is being repopulated again. And we are going to focus on a uh, kind of a time frame that spans at least two chapters of Genesis. Now, if you think back to Genesis, Genesis 1 is an account of, of the first seven days of creation, right? Up, up till God rests, blah, blah, blah. And then in Genesis chapter 2, it focuses in on day six. There are not two different creations. There's only one creation. Genesis 1 is the full creation, and then Genesis chapter 2 zeroes in on day 6 when man and woman are created, okay? So, like, we're taking a couple of chapters just to go, two full chapters, just to go seven days, right? Now, we're going to cover two chapters in one step, okay? We're going to take two chapters in one step, and I'm going to tie these two chapters together at the end and show you how it's just one step. But we're going to cover a period of about 500 years, give or take 150 years, something like that. So a very small amount of time from the time that Noah, his wife, his three boys, their wives got off the ark until what is called the Tower of Babel. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, it says this. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what he told them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth 
the earth. Okay, that's Genesis 9, 1. Okay, so when they get off the boat, they have two things to do. What is it? Multiply and explore. Man, this God is a horribly demanding God, isn't it? Go explore, go hiking and multiply. This sounds great to me, right? Now, get this though. In Genesis 11, 4, going from Genesis 9, 1 to Genesis 11, 4. This is what Genesis 11, 4 says. Then they said, come, Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now, we're talking about a time frame that biblical scholars have narrowed down to a time frame. If you look at the Greek Septuagint, it's about 448 years from the time Noah gets off the boat until the Tower of Babel and then in the Masoretic text. And if you would like to get into that discussion, no, <laughs> is... <laughs> is about 228 years, or 243 years, I'm sorry, 448 versus 243. And the, and the reason is, is that, uh, well, I'm not going to get into that. So we're looking at, looking at a time frame between 243 years and 448 years. We have seen humanity do something crazy. Okay, God has just wiped out the earth of all but eight people. And in 243 to 448 years, what we see is that two basic commands, only one of them is being followed. God told Noah, multiply and fill the earth, scatter out, go all over the earth. They've only done one of those. They've multiplied, there's no doubt about it. They've multiplied but they are not scattering all over the earth and they know they're supposed to because in Genesis 11, 4, it says this, let's build us a city. This will make us famous, a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. You know what it doesn't take long to do? I call this the cami effect. Boy, it doesn't take long for us to get comfortable, does it? It does not take us long to get comfortable. It does not take the people after Noah's day. It does not take them very long to get comfortable with disobeying God. I mean, we're talking about 243 years, maybe 450 years, give or take a year or two. See, these people are no different than us today because it's easy to get comfortable with God's patience. With God's patience. Now, look at this. Now, granted, we don't really know anything 
that goes on between Noah gets off the boat in Genesis 9-1 and Genesis 11-4 when they go to build the Tower of Babel. We don't really know what's going on in those 240 to 450 years, but we do know one thing, and that is that they are gathered together and they are coming down and they're going to build a city. They are being fruitful and multiplying, but they are not spreading out like God told them to do. Only eight people starting out and 240 years later were already real comfortable with God's patience. Real comfortable. So only eight people, but this is a different world that they live in. If you would like to come to next weekend's Bible study, I know that that's Easter Sunday, but we are going to be talking about flood geology. And we live in Colorado, one of the greatest places to see evidence of flood geology. There's going to be pictures and movies and this and that and this and that. And it's really cool. But this is a drastic, the, when Noah, when those eight people got on that boat and when they got off, the world is a different place. Okay, it is a different place. How do I know that? Because in Genesis 9, verse 2 and 3, we talked about Genesis 9, 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There's only eight people when they get off the boat. The world is a different place. It doesn't look the same. Right? There's been volcanoes, tornadoes, probably hurricanes. Continents have moved. I mean, it is insane. But in Genesis 9, verse 2 and 3, we learn something else that's different. All the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea. So he's talking about all the animals, right? Right? Listen to what it says. And all the fish in the sea will look on you now with fear and terror. I have placed them in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. Why is this a different place? Well, number one, for the first time, animals are scared. Animals were never scared before. Why? Because it, humans were a vegetarian society. They didn't kill animals for food. They didn't kill animals and eat food until after the flood. They didn't need to. Animals didn't mess with them. They didn't mess with the animals. Blah, blah, blah. God is patient. He knew when they got off the boat that things were going to be different. There's only eight people, right? The flood has wiped everything out. Now is the first time God has given them permission to even eat meat. And the Bible says that they were supposed to take seven pairs of all animals given for meat and sacrifice. Well, if they were going to plant crops when they got off, they'd starve to death before the first crops came in. So God said, you can eat the animals now. This is a different place. They might as well be on a different planet and God is going to be patient with them. It takes time. It takes time. Now, I actually uh, kind of did this in the Bible study a little bit, but how many people do you think 
would be on earth in 248 years at a population growth, growth of about 3.2%. How many people do you think that would be? Well, I did the math. You want to talk about formulas and math and Excel spreadsheets and this and population density and all that? Well, it, it came out to about 16,000 in 248 years, something like that. Six, or is that right? 243 years, about 16,000. You want to know what the 448 years was? It's like 10 million. It's crazy. Now, granted, these people are living longer. I mean, Noah lived to be like 969 years old. I mean, you know how many kids you can father in 969 years? And the poor women. My gosh. Now, who are you? Mom, I'm 275th. I'm Joash. I don't know. You know, I mean, like, people lived a lot longer back then. Okay? So, I mean, like, there's, there's quite a bit of a population. But here's the deal. It's a new landscape. I mean, now animals are afraid of them. And what do animals that are afraid do? They attack, right? So now this is a whole, this is a whole new world. And God only gave them two commands. Be fruitful and scatter. That's it. They're fruitful, but they ain't scattering. And they know what they should be doing. They know what they should be doing. Because, see, not only did they get comfortable with God's patience, I mean, God is letting them do whatever they want to for nearly 500 years because he knows that it takes time. But eventually, it's time to do what he said, right? So they got real comfortable with God's patience. Well, then they got real comfortable with disobeying God. Well, they all stay together, right? They, they don't move out like they're supposed to. They all stay together and they know what they're supposed to do because it says this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Let's stay together. Let's not do what God says because when we get comfortable with God's patience, we start getting comfortable with disobeying God. That maybe it's okay if we don't do what he said. Because we haven't done what he said already and nothing happened. So maybe we can keep not doing what he said to do. That didn't really make sense, but you got it. They got comfortable with God's patience and then they got comfortable disobeying God. And they make a plan. They make a plan for disobeying God. You know what you call it when you make a plan for disobeying God? That's called rebellion. That's called rebellion. They got comfortable rebelling against God. They built a city to protect themselves from God. Think about that for just a second. Now, were they trying to reach, they, they said they were going to build a tower. Why would they want to build a tower? To show that they were on the same level as God and everything. But I, but I want you to understand something 
about this tower that they are building, okay? Why would you need something tall? And why would it need to be made out of bricks instead of rocks? And did you know that the Bible says, let us build a, I'm just going to read it to you, Genesis 11. They began saying to each other, this is in verse 3, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. Now, get this. The first time tar or pitch has ever been used in construction was when? When Noah's ark was built. Why did they seal it with tar and pitch? To make it waterproof. Why would they build a tower with bricks that are hardened and cemented with mortar to make it waterproof. They were trying to build their own ark so that they did not have to be scattered. They could rise above the floodwaters and no water could get in. They could do whatever they wanted to. That was the whole point of the Tower of Babel is so that they didn't get scattered, right? We know the fruitful part was going was gonna to happen. But they build a tower higher than what they perceived the flood would be. Now, can you think of, we got comfortable with God's patience. We got comfortable with disobeying God. Now we're comfortable rebelling against God. But think about this, that they also got comfortable in forgetting God's promises. Because didn't God say, I'll never destroy the earth with water again? They didn't even need to do that because God had already said, I ain't going to do that again. I mean, here we are right back to square one because see, we get comfortable way too fast. We get comfortable way too fast. They waterproof the seams with pitch. They forget the promises of God. And then God separates them. God confuses their language and God says, now you will have to separate. So now you have people that they can't talk to each other. And so birds of a feather flock together, do they not? And God puts it on their heart to go other places. And when you start reading the genealogies of all of these people, you start seeing that Canaan, the land of Canaan, the promised land, Canaan was actually the son, the oldest son of Ham. And after the Tower of Babel, they settled in that land. So when you're reading the, the Bible and, and you um, the descendants of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. Now, that just sounds like blah, 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 right? But if you actually study some of the genealogies, you know what Mizram is? You know what our, our English word for Mizram is? Egypt. 
That's the name Egypt. So these sons of Noah, when we see the Amorites and the, uh, the Egyptians or the Mizraim, the people, when he scattered them, they were still, the areas became known as the people that settled there. So the land of Canaan was the land that Ham's oldest son, Canaan, settled right? Which was actually one of the choice lands because it's around the, it's the natural land bridge to Africa from Europe. It's a, it's a trade route. It's a great, great place. But God separates them. He sends some into the north and some into the east, some into the west, some into the south, and they all go their different directions. See, a lot can happen in a very, very short amount of of time. And in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, we've used this in every sermon, all four. Matthew 24, 37, Jesus himself says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day when people were wicked and living on the earth, not caring comfortable with God's patience, comfortable with disobeying God, comfortable with rebelling against God. And just for a second, just for a second, I am not making a prophecy, okay? Do not go home and say, my preacher prophesied. No, I didn't do that. I'm just making an illustration, okay? I'm making an illustration. Don't think God's patience is the same as he doesn't care. Of course he cares. We, we, we read about it, that it broke God's heart. The wickedness of man broke God's heart. Of course he cares, but he's trying to give you He's trying to give you time to repent because he doesn't want you destroyed. He wants you saved. God cares just as much about righteousness today as he did in Noah's time. Think about that. God cares just as much about righteousness as today. He didn't have a different really set of rules back then. It's the same. Now listen, this is what I'm saying. I'm not making a prophecy or anything, but I just want to put this in an illustration that y'all can understand, right? You think, man, how could these people get so wicked and, and blah, 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 and how could things, th th these people are crazy, right? Let, hang on just a second. Because I told you that it was between 243 years to 448 years. Did I not? Now, get this. When was America founded? 1776, right? Does anybody remember the day? <laughs> Very good, Shane. The U.S. has been around since 1776. You know how many years that is? 247. Now, remember, I said the Tower of Babel was somewhere between 243 years. Three years difference between, now you think about when our country was founded, was it not founded on biblical principles? Where are we at today, folks?
How far have we come in 240 odd years? Don't think that back then the people were any different than they are today. We are still a wicked people and it doesn't matter how righteous we start off with because the... <laughs> This is, this is humankind. This is why God has to save us. This is why we can't save ourselves. This is why righteousness is important. You don't get righteousness by accident. It is a diligent effort, just like it was for Noah. The easy thing to do is just follow the ways of the world. 247 years America has been around. That's two years or four years longer, four years less than the earliest account of the Tower of Babel. It had deteriorated that far. Well, you know what? We've shown that just with America in that amount of time, things can go vastly bad. But even then, maybe that's not good enough. Did you know when the Mayflower took off? Because they were escaping religious persecution to come and settle in the new world where they had freedom to worship how they wanted to. That was in 1602. That was 421 years ago. And the other dating method for the Tower of Babel, 448 years you're looking at somewhere between the time frame of America being founded till now, or even we can go back to when the Mayflower came over. It's this, those two time frames are the same. And I dare you not to take a, an accurate look at the state of our country right now and see that we can devolve. We have seen a country founded on biblical principles devolve into complete wickedness today. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like in Noah's day. I am not making a prophecy Jesus is. I'm not saying that America has anything to do with it, okay? When the Son of Man returns, when Jesus comes back, it'll be just the right time and everything like that. But you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to get comfortable with God's patience. I'm going to thank Him for that patience, and I'm going to do something about my faith today. I am not going to get comfortable with disobeying God. Do I do it? Yes, but it does not make me comfortable and I will never be comfortable doing it. I am not going to get comfortable with God's patience. I'm not going to get comfortable with disobeying God and I will never be comfortable with me or you rebelling against God because I believe that our time is short. I don't know how short, but it's shorter than it was yesterday. I guarantee you. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message today of how we can look back at the very beginning and see stuff that is applicable to today. And God, I, I am thankful for your patience, but God, I'm asking you right now, send your son back. Send your son back. Let's call our loved ones today. Let's tell them of the importance of, of knowing you. And Jesus, come back and get your kids. We're tired and we're ready to go home. But if you don't come back today, we'll still do our part and being who you have called us to be. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.